Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to mystory@toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. The Bible encourages us to fight the good fight, but how do we stand strong in the midst of life's battles? Join us as we explore Ephesians 6 and the truths it gives us for living lives of victory in Pastor Chad Gilligan's series called Stand and Fight. Take your Bibles with me, if you would please, and turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to finish up our um, 10-year study of the book of Ephesians today and uh, wrap this up. Ephesians chapter 6. I was uh, talking with some folks before the service today, and I'm going to guess all of you at some point, if you haven't done it, your kids have probably done it, how many of you have ever taken the, the cushions off the couch and built a fort? Anybody ever done that? Yeah, I was talking with, with a kid today, and uh, not a kid, I was talking with Jared, our worship team, and I said, well, did you and your brother ever build a fort? And he says, yeah, it used to drive our mom crazy. And then I was talking to a mom. I said, do your kids ever build a fort? And she's like, yeah, it drives us crazy, right? And it's the whole idea is, and kids just get this instinctively, that when you're, when you're playing, you take kind of the cushions off the couch. Sorry, Rhonda. You take the cushions off the couch, and uh, you set up that fort. You build kind of that barrier, and you get it all set up there in the right way. And then you got to take the blanket, right? And you uh, drape it in that place, and you get it kind of in a spot where you know you're going to be protected and get it kind of there like that. How's that? How are we looking? We're getting it there and uh, get it set up. And then the best part is, the best part is, when you find where you keep your weaponry, okay? (laughs) And then you get in that place of protection, okay? And then when you're there, (laughs) then you're in a spot where you can just kind of let it, no, hey, using those Jedi skills there, huh? Awesome. First service, I shot it, went right in the shirt pocket of a guy on the front row. Yeah, I'm that good, that good. Oh, oh, shooting likes there. Okay, so you know the idea, right? It's a lot of fun. This is what kids do. It almost comes instinctively to them. You don't have to teach them to do it. They just know to destroy your house and build something that's gonna protect them. Because somehow, we know, even, even in our play, We know that there's these times when we protect ourselves from an enemy who's probably gonna come across that carpet that's actually hot lava. There's an enemy that's gonna try to come our way and we need some way to protect ourselves. It's obvious to children, even in their play. So why is it that so many times as Christians, what's obvious to children, we're oblivious to as adults? I mean, it comes natural to us. We need to protect ourselves. And yet in our faith, in our relationship with God, in what we encounter every day, we're so many times oblivious to the fact that we need to find ways to be protected from the battle, from the challenges. Oftentimes we use the phrase from the spiritual warfare that we might fight and face in our lives. This is what Paul is talking about in Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 18. Last week we looked at verses like 10 through 13. Today we're gonna start with verse 14 and we're gonna look at what he says about how we stand and fight. Last week we talked about what it means to stand. This morning we're going to look at the tools that have been given to us so that we are able to fight in our faith and for our faith. And look, what we talk about today is not child's play. But I want you to recognize that so many of us, we forget that this is how we're supposed to live. 
that we face an enemy, that we daily are against battle, and if we don't protect ourselves, we will find ourselves in a place where we do not want to be. So what Paul gives to us in Ephesians chapter six is a list of what's referred to as the full armor of God. Tools that God has given to us so that we can protect ourselves from the enemy and from his attacks on us. Here's what we saw last week. Ephesians chapter six, we looked at the fact that Paul says that we do not wrestle, that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but that there are spiritual battles, there are powers, there are forces that we do not see that are at work in the world around us. The truth is we have a spiritual enemy. Do you believe that? We have a spiritual enemy, and if we're not careful, we will be blind to the ways in which that enemy tries to come against us, because you rarely outright see it. But the enemy has all kinds of things that he throws our way. There's spiritual powers at work that come against us. And Paul says, look, I want to give you the tools so that you can fight these spiritual battles. And what we're gonna do today is we're gonna look at these tools. We're gonna do it kind of rapid fire. We gotta move kind of quick. We can't spend a lot of time on each one. But I wanna talk about these tools and how they help us to fight our spiritual battles. Before we do, before we even start looking at this, here's what I want you to do. Take just a moment and ask yourself, what battle am I fighting? What is it that you're up against right now? Maybe not everybody has some kind of struggle, but I'm gonna guess for most of us, there's, there's something that's not flesh and blood. There's this spiritual fight that we're up against. What is it for you? I'm gonna challenge you, call it out in your mind right now. What is it? What is that thing that maybe the last thing you think about before you go to bed and probably the first thing on your mind when you wake up in the morning? What is the thing that seems to keep coming back? What's that spiritual challenge, that personal struggle, that battle that you seem to be facing? It might be in your home. It might be in your workplace. It might be a diagnosis you've been given. It might be something with your finances. I I don't know what it is, but there's something that you go, this is the challenge that I'm up against. Look, Paul gives us this imagery today of the armor of God Not because he thinks that we are are kids and that we have to have some kind of picture to understand it, but he knows this, that if you and I have something concrete to hold on to, it will help us to live out the principles that he's talking about here today. What's the battle that you're up against? Because as we talk about these truths, I believe the Holy Spirit wants this not to just be information for you today, but he wants to bring application to your life so you can know how you can live and have spiritual victory for yourselves. Ephesians chapter six, beginning with verse 14. Here's the armor of God. Paul says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so here's what I'm gonna do in the next few moments. I just wanna talk about how we use these tools, these pieces of the armor of God to help us as we fight spiritual battles. We're gonna look at these scriptures, a lot of verses we'll look at. Some of you already use what's called the the Bible app. It comes from life.church, or sometimes it's called the U version. And if you're using that, maybe on your phone or your tablet, um, you may find that they've changed it this week. What used to be called live is now called events. And if you're not using that tool, it's a great tool to kind of just have the notes, maybe make some notes of your own. Um, You can just find that if you search on your device, uh, however you get your apps, Um, just search for Bible. It's from life.church, really cool tool. 
you don't already have it. Our notes are on there every Sunday for our messages. And so let's talk about these different pieces of the armor of God. Let me encourage you with this. Here's the first thing. We fight lies by wearing the belt of truth. We fight lies by wearing the belt of truth. Now here's what's interesting about how Paul gives us the different pieces of the armor. He does it, he explains them in the order that the armor would be put on by the warrior. He's giving us this picture. The first piece of the armor would be the belt. And he gives, us to the, he gives them to us in order because each piece builds on the other. It's critical that the warrior puts it on in the right order because of how important these elements are. The first part is this belt of truth. It's right here at the core of who the person is. And what's so significant is that this belt has to be strong and in place because if it's not, the rest of the armor is in jeopardy because the breastplate, it rests on that belt. And the sword, it hangs on that belt. So the soldier is not protected or armed if it's not for this belt. It does a whole lot more than just keep his pants up, right? It's extremely significant in how it rolls. And this is what Jesus says, or what Paul says to us. He says that the belt is truth. It's at the core, the most important thing. The thing that we need to hold on to more than any other is to have truth at our core. Because what is here, if it's not right, then everything else begins to fall apart. Now Jesus said this about truth. You've probably heard it. John chapter eight, verse 32. He says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth has this powerful effect in our lives that it helps us to see what is real and then based on that, there's freedom that comes to us. Now the truth hurts sometimes, true? I mean the truth isn't always easy. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. Sometimes it's inconvenient. But when we accept the truth, what the truth does for us is it gives us at our very core a foundation that we can build our lives on to the point that Jesus says the truth will set you free. Now the opposite of that really describes who the devil is. Look at this, John chapter eight, verse 44. Jesus goes on to say in the same chapter, he says, you belong to your father, the devil. I think Rhonda said that to our kids once. John eight forty four says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you wanna carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him when he lies. Listen to this. I love this analogy here. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. When the devil lies, he speaks his native language. That's his first language. That's his natural tongue. He's a liar. And when the devil speaks to you, do you know what he speaks? He speaks lies. That's what he wants you to believe. That's why the belt of truth is so key and significant and important because we need to build our lives not on lies but on truth and the freedom that comes from Christ. And here's where spiritual warfare becomes so, um, I don't know, critical. And this is where the enemy is so diabolical because the whole idea of finding victory in life is based on this truth. We saw this in Romans chapter eight last week. If you remember, when Paul's writing to the church in Rome, he says this, that you are already more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. Look, the whole point of the battles and the struggles and the challenges we face is that we've got to remember that through Jesus, we already have victory, true? So if we already have victory, even when times are hard, even when there seems to be no answer, even when we face challenges, even when our marriages and our jobs and our finances and our health and our thinking, when all those things are challenged, we know that through Jesus Christ, even though we might not feel it today, we already have victory, right? 
If that's the case, then that's the truth that is at our core. But what does the enemy do? He comes in with lies that tell us that that's not true. That's how he tries to defeat us. We have to know that based on God's word and based on God's truth, at the very core of who we are, we hold on to truth so that we can defeat the lies at the enemy. That is at the heart of who we are and we cannot let that slip past us. We must make sure that firmly we are wearing that belt of truth. If, if you're young, you, you might not um, remember this, but I'm young, so I remember this. Do you, do you remember when you didn't have to wear a seatbelt? Does anybody remember that? When it wasn't the law that you could just sit wherever you, if you wanted to lay in the back window of the car, you could do it. It didn't matter. Some of you, who did? Did anybody lay in the back window of the car? Yes. Boy, God was looking out for you, I'm telling you. I remember when it became a law and people just saying, you can't make, I'm not wearing, nobody's gonna make me wear a seatbelt. I had an uncle, he would do this. He, when he would drive, he didn't wanna wear one, so he would take his arm and he would loop it through the belt so it was here, so he could drive, that if a police officer ever came around, he could just do this, right? He could just reach over, he had this like dance move. He would just do this, that's what he would do. Reach over, do the belt, snap it, he would be in that place. There was this guy in New Zealand who refused to wear a seatbelt. And I don't know how this plays out, but he got 32 tickets in five years for not wearing a seatbelt. He just wasn't gonna do it. Nobody was gonna make him do it. So what he finally did was he says, I can be smarter, I can figure this out, I can outwit the law. And so he took this extra long seatbelt and he fastened it up here and he would just drape it over his shoulder when he would drive. So it would look like he was wearing a seatbelt when actually he wasn't. And it worked really well for him until one day he got in a head-on collision. When he did, his car crashed head-on, threw him forward, he hit his head on the steering wheel and tragically died. He had it all figured out, but it was a lie. It wasn't built on anything that was solid. It had no foundation to it. Look, the enemy wants you at your very core, to believe things about yourself and about God and about his plan for your life that just aren't true. And your life can't withstand that. It's deadly if you buy into those lies. That's why Paul says the very first thing at your core, you gotta realize what is true and you put on the belt of truth. Second piece of the armor of God and how it helps us. First is the belt of truth. Let's look at the next one. We fight temptation by wearing the breastplate of righteousness. We fight temptation by wearing the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate was this part that would cover the kind of the upper part of the soldier's body, which is so significant because this is where all your vital organs are, right? This this is the engine that drives your body, in particular your heart. And so the breastplate would be here and it would cover over all these very important parts of the warrior's body that were so significant. And Paul says that the vital part of who we are needs to be covered with this breastplate of righteousness. What's righteousness? Well, righteousness is doing the things that are right before God that we choose to be right in his sight through what Jesus Christ did for us, that we choose to live in a way that is right in God's eyes. That's righteousness, it's it's very significant. So this is why the enemy of righteousness is sin, right? That sin wants to come in. And how does sin first knock on our door? In the form of temptation. So when temptation comes to you, now is it a sin to be tempted, yes or no? No, it's not a sin to be tempted. 
Everybody's tempted, scripture says. But when you're tempted, how do you respond? If you're not ready to fight the battle when temptation knocks on your door, when the enemy comes to you with that thing that you think you want or you think is desirable or you think you should do, when he comes with those things, that's when we already have to have our armor on. We have to be wearing the breastplate of righteousness to protect us. We cannot take our response to temptation lightly because being a person of righteous integrity protects the vital part of who we are. Now this is so significant because I've found that temptation is insidious. It just keeps coming and coming and coming. It just gnaws away. It knocks, it knocks. It just keeps coming at us. How do you respond to that? Especially those little temptations. Well, I'll just tell this little lie. Or I'll just fill my mind with these little thoughts that don't hurt anyone. Or I'll just do this or I'll just do that. Here's the deal. The enemy would much rather have you keep giving in to little temptations than have you just be wide open to a big one. Because how does he get you and your heart exposed so that he can destroy you? He starts with all those little temptations. Have you found that to be true? Look, we have to protect our heart with the breastplate of righteousness. When temptation comes our way, we have to stand our guard and have our armor on. Here's what Paul says, and we, and we looked at this last week, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. When we talked about taking a stand, we talked about standing, Paul said this, So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Next thought, he's he's taking that thought, moving one more thought. How do you not fall? No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. Here's what scripture says. Be careful if you're gonna stand in your faith that you are aware of temptation, that you realize that God will help to protect you in times of temptation. He will give you the strength. He'll give you the escape route that you need so that you can stand firm. So, child of God, put on the armor of God. Wear the breastplate of righteousness. Why? Because that righteousness, responding in a way that is scriptural to temptation, protects your heart and your heart is vital. Your heart is critical. Listen to what Solomon says. Proverbs chapter four, verse 23. Proverbs 4, 23. This is a book of advice that Solomon's writing to his young son. And he says, above all else. Look, I'm really excited in April. We're gonna, we're gonna start reading through the book of Proverbs. We're gonna start talking about the book of Proverbs. There's all kinds of good advice there. But Solomon says, look, son, above all else else, more important than your attitude, more important than your money, more important than your relationships or your leadership. He says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. King James Version says, says, out of it comes the, the wellspring of life, who you are, what you do. Jesus says, what's in a man's heart is what comes out of a man. Guard your heart above all else. Because if your heart gets compromised, then everything else in your life becomes toxic. Everything else in your life becomes damaged. It becomes disastrous if we're not careful. Lapses in character and judgment are what the enemy uses to put us in a vulnerable place. We must keep on that breastplate of righteousness in the things we say, in the things we desire, in the things that we fill our mind with. We have to be careful and understand how critical these pieces are. The belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, 
let's go to the next part of our fight. We also fight by wearing the shoes of peace. We fight by wearing the shoes of peace. I'm always, I don't know if amazed is the right word, but just kind of, it's interesting to see how often so many of us find ourselves in a place where peace feels elusive, where we just want it and we can't seem to find it. Some of you today are in that place. You're, you're cruising through life. You're, you're trying to do the things that you know you should do. And you, something's missing. Where is that peace? One of the things that was most significant about the Roman soldier, why the Roman Empire was able to see so much victory and conquest was because the Caesars made sure that their soldiers were outfitted better than the enemy. One of the key places, they had shoes, they had boots that were superior to the enemy that they would be facing. So that when they would go out into battle, when they would go out to fight in the war, they knew that they could stand firm, that they could march farther, that they could fight longer, that they could walk further than their enemy because they had better shoes on than the enemy did. They were fitted in that. I have some shoes that I like. I have some shoes that that I think, man, those look cool. But there's times when I've got to take a long walk or I'm going to go for a hike or I've got to be on my feet all day and I don't care about what they look like. I care about how they feel, right? Sometimes I go, I got to have good shoes on. Paul says, look, the soldier, the warrior in God's army has his feet fitted with the truth, with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. It means this, that because of what Jesus did for us, we find peace, and that peace gives us a firm foundation. For so many of us, we let our fears come in, and we fight fear with the shoes of peace. We fight fear by wearing these shoes of peace. It allows us to stand firm in times of conflict. It allows us to stand firm in times of challenge. What Christ did for us changes everything. Ephesians chapter two, verse 17. He came and preached peace to, who, to you who were far away and peace to you who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. We can stand in confidence when we allow God's peace to be what leads us. Not the peace we try to conjure up, not the answers we try to find, but when we say, God, because of what Christ has done for us, because of the truths of the gospel, I stand in your peace. How do we find that? Philippians chapter four, very familiar passage of scripture, says do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. There are times when there's this peace that comes to us. How, how the scripture said, that's, that's beyond our understanding. Have you ever had that peace that almost just doesn't make sense? Do you know what I'm talking about? These times when you know God brings you this peace, that in spite of what you're facing or you're up against, you're able to stand in confidence because of who he is. And for some of you, where you're at today, this is very significant, that you need to be willing to set your fears aside and say, God, I stand not on my own strength, not in my own peace, but in the peace that comes from you. I've got the belt of truth at my core. I've got the breastplate of righteousness that's protecting the vital part of my heart. I stand in your peace. Let's look at the next part of the armor of God. We fight by wearing, by, we fight doubt by using the shield of faith. We fight doubt by using the shield of faith. 
And this description is a little more interesting than the other ones because Paul gives us just a little bit more information. Look at what he says in verse 16. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16. He says, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Okay, so there was this practice in ancient times and even into the Middle Ages where armies would take arrows and on the tip of them, they would put some fabric of some kind. They would wrap it up there. They'd dip it in like a tar or a pitch of some kind. And then before they would fire them, they would light those arrows. So this was a dangerous weapon because it not only had the ability to go far and to pierce something, but once it got there, it would burn. That tar would smolder. So it had the potential to burn and to wound and to injure and then to start fires that could spread and cause all kinds of damage. This was dangerous stuff that was being fired at the, the, the warrior by the enemy. Paul says that's why we have the shield of faith. Now the shield that the Roman soldier would have had was, was typically like two pieces of wood that would be adhered together. Then it would be wrapped in like a real thick fabric or oftentimes like a hide or a leather. And then on all the edges it would be bound together with iron. They were often large pieces. In fact, the, the word for door in, in Greek is the root word that was used for this word for shield. So it was almost like having a door in front of you that protected you. And oftentimes they would soak the shield in water before battle so that when the arrows came that were flaming and hit this shield, what would happen to the fire? It would be extinguished. They were protected from that. So Paul, using this image, said you have this shield of faith that when the enemy sends these fiery darts your way, you can stand firm against this. When the enemy brings the lies, when the enemy brings the temptation, when the enemy brings the fear, when the enemy brings the doubt, you don't have to fear those things coming because you have faith that you stand behind. You have a shield of faith that protects you and has this powerful ability to keep you safe. But if you drop your guard and you get hit with one of those arrows, you can not only be wounded, but think of that picture. It can affect you in a way that it begins to burn and it begins to smolder. Some of you know what the enemy's attacks have been in your life that are like that. They don't just pierce they stick, and the wound's there, and they smolder. The words that were said to you, the things that were done to you, they continue to be there. And one of the most insidious tools that the enemy uses is doubt. Think about it. First time that we, that we see the devil in scripture is Genesis chapter three, and he shows up, and he says to Eve, do you remember his words? He says, did God really say that? Did God really say that to you about that tree over there and that fruit? Did God really say that? Because if he can get you to think, did God really? Is God really like that? Would God really do that? When you begin to doubt and question God, then he's got you kind of dropping your guard, putting your faith down. Do you remember when the devil tempted Jesus? His temptations to Jesus started with this. If you really are the son of God, if, if this is really what you say, if you really are who you are and God really is who he is, if, if that's true, what's his plan? If he can get you to question God and doubt his goodness in your life, if he can get you to doubt God's power, if he can get you to doubt God's plan for your life, because isn't that what it is? It begins to work in us. Well, God loves people. I'm not so sure he can love me. I mean, I know God loves everybody, but he doesn't love me as much. I, I know you say God can forgive, 
But man, the things I've done. I know you say God has a plan for my life, that God wants to do something purposeful through me, but I'm just me. <laughs> I, got, I got nothing to give. I'm, I'm from Toledo. I, what do I do? I mean, I don't have, I'm not anybody special. How can God really have a plan or a purpose for my life? And we begin to listen to these things. You know what they are? They're lies, they're temptations, they're fear, they're doubt. And if the enemy can get you to begin to think that way, you'll drop the guard of your shield and you'll make yourself vulnerable to the tax that he'll send your way. What do you do? You take God's word, you take God's truth, and you stand behind that and you protect yourself with that shield of faith. That in those moments that you know that there's lies and thoughts that are coming your way, whether you feel it inside or not, too many times we wait for that tingle before we respond, right? I want to feel good. I want to feel this. I want to, whether you feel it or not, faith means I stand behind this truth. That God, I believe what you said about who you are and about who I am, and that's where I find my trust. That's where I find my protection. I carry this shield of faith. One other thing that's super cool about this shield is big. And oftentimes in battle, what would happen is a soldier would not just stand behind their own shield, they would gather up together and they would create a way where they would protect each other. They'd almost build a little fortress of faith, right? And they'd be there and they'd have their shields all on different sides, maybe even one with them up over their head and they could be in a place that as those fiery darts came, they knew that they were protecting themselves and each other so until they could get to the place where they could get up and fight again. Now understand this, sometimes you carry the shield of faith not just for yourself, but for somebody else as well. Have you ever been strengthened in your faith because of someone else's faith who came alongside of you? When your spouse or your friend or just the strength of God's word gives you the faith to do, look, the reason you carry that shield is not just for yourself. Our faith is stronger together. We fight doubt by using the shield of faith. Real quick, just a couple other pieces and... uh, Keep moving. We fight the war of the mind by wearing the helmet of salvation. We fight the war of the mind by wearing the helmet of salvation. We, we spent a lot of time talking about this a couple of years ago. It's, it's on our website. We did a series of messages called Mind Games back in August of 2014, and we talked about how we think, and here was what we came down to, that we need to think about our thinking and be mindful of our minds, because far too many times, we put our brains on autopilot. We don't think about what we're thinking about. We don't think about what we let come into our thinking, what we let take up valuable real estate in our minds. And scripture says we need to think about our thinking. We need to be mindful of our minds, and we protect our thinking with the helmet of salvation, because it covers our minds, it covers our thinking, it protects us. If we will see the world through the lens and the perspective of what Christ did for us, that will change everything. We have to fight the war of the mind by wearing the helmet of salvation. What you think about is no little thing. In fact, when Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse five, he uses the language of warfare. He says, we take every thought captive. This isn't some kind of, you know, just mamby-pamby little thing. He says, look, this is battle, this is war. You need to control your thoughts because how does the enemy come against us? Where does the lies usually begin their process? It's in our thinking, right? How does temptation get to us? In our minds. Where do fears and doubt usually first crop up? In our thinking. We have to wage war in our minds against the untruths that the enemy wants to send our way. We need to fight the battle of the mind by wearing the helmet of salvation. 
two other pieces of the armor that are good for us to see very quickly. We fight the enemy with the sword of the spirit. We fight the enemy with the sword of the spirit. As you notice what's interesting, most of these pieces so far have been protective. Now we've got one that's, that's more offensive. It's a weapon. It's something that we go after the enemy with. And this isn't the only place in scripture where, where God talks about a sword. In fact, here's what he says, that the, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. We fight the enemy using the sword of the spirit, and the sword of the spirit is the word of God. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 says, the word of God is living and active. It is alive. It is what we use to defeat the enemy. In fact, when Jesus was tempted, if we go back to that in Matthew chapter four, when the devil came against him and said, with doubt, if you are, do you remember what Jesus said? One of the temptations was, if you're the son of God, then turn this stone into bread. And Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He defeated the enemy by using scripture. So in those times when you're facing some kind of spiritual battle, those are the times when you don't try to fight it on your own. You need to find some tool from God's word that's gonna help you repel the attack of the enemy, gonna help you to push that back, to push that away so that you can stand firm in those times. When the enemy comes with lies, you put on the belt of truth and you quote God's word to him that the truth will set you free. When the enemy wants to bring temptation to you, you quote 1 Corinthians 10 and you say there's no temptation that has overtaken me that God can't help me to find freedom from. When the enemy comes and wants to steal your peace, you quote Philippians chapter four, verse seven, that says there's a peace of God that passes all understanding. When those doubts begin to come your way, you find a scripture from God's word that you can speak out of your mouth, that you can rehearse in your mind, that pushes back the enemy and gives you the confidence to stand and fight. Well, Chad, I don't, I don't where am I going to get a verse? How am I going to know what scripture that is? Look, there's a couple of things I'd say to you. One, you will never find anything in God's word if you never find yourself in God's word. So at some point, you gotta spend some time in his word. And you gotta say, God, speak to me. I have been amazed at the way that God can use his word to speak to my heart at just the right moment in time. Maybe you don't have a a, a word, but if you share where you're at with someone who's a trusted friend, or maybe God will just give you a divine appointment here today before you walk out of this room. Somebody may say, look, I feel like I have a verse that God might be able to encourage you with. If you're looking to find a verse about a topic, there's this new thing called the internet. Have you heard of it? Look, you, if, you, if you seek, I believe you will find. He will help you. That Bible app we talked about earlier, the, it's just the Bible app by life.church. If you, if you look at that, they have all these reading plans. You can search for maybe the place where you're struggling, what you're going through, and there's, there's scriptures that you can go to. Find a way to use God's word. That's how we fight the enemy. That's the weapon that we use. One last thing that's true about the armor of God, we win the battle through prayer. We win the battle through prayer. Ephesians chapter six, verse 18. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Here's what Paul's saying here. This battle you're facing, you can know all about this armor, but if you never put it on, you're never gonna be victorious. The way you put it on, the way you use it is by being in that relationship with God, that communion with him. 
Jesus said in Luke chapter 18, verse one, that we should always pray, that we should constantly be seeking the Lord. We already saw the power of prayer in Philippians chapter four. Listen to these two verses. Colossians chapter four, verse two. says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And here's a verse that we can all memorize today. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 17. Pray continually. That doesn't mean that you're stuck by your bedside 24-7. It means that in everything that you're doing, you're mindful of your relationship with God and that you're in communication with him. Because if you walk through your day going, God, I'm going to fight this battle using the tools and the weapons that you've given to me, it will make all the difference. Pray continually and put on the full armor of God. Officer Bob Vernon was a motorcycle uh, police officer in Los Angeles he was on patrol one day, and this red pickup truck just went blowing through a stop sign, just went right through. And he saw it and realized the guy's probably late for work, but who knows what might happen. I gotta, I gotta do something about this. So he turned on his lights and sirens, beautiful spring day, and just drove up behind the guy, and uh, the guy pulled over, and it just seemed like another routine traffic stop. What Officer Vernon did not know was that the guy in that red pickup truck started sweating bullets when he saw those lights. And he reached over as the officer was coming up and put his hand on the gun that was sitting next to him. Next to the gun was the bag of money that he had just stolen from a convenience store down the road. And Officer Vernon came walking up to that um, vehicle. The dude rolled his window down. And as Officer Vernon said, um, sir, I pulled you over today because the dude reached over with his gun and just inches away fired that deadly bullet into Officer Vernon's chest hit him, threw him back seven feet away from the car. And as the guy in the pickup truck began to move things and put him into gear so that he could speed away, he did not expect to see Officer Bob Vernon stand to his feet and fire two shots into the vehicle, one that pierced the door, the other that pierced his leg. The guy threw the gun out the window and said, don't shoot, don't shoot, I'm done. See, what the difference was, was Officer Vernon was wearing Kevlar, that fabric that was so tightly woven together, that three sixteenths of an inch saved his life from that deadly bullet because he came prepared wearing his armor. Why we talk about this today is your armor doesn't do you any good if you don't put it on before the enemy starts shooting. When you walk out this door, the enemy's gonna start shooting. For some of you, for the last 45 minutes, the enemy's been shooting sin and lies and temptation and fear and doubt your way. And the enemy likes to do that, loves to do that with the insidious plan of taking you down. And if you don't put on your armor, you set yourself up vulnerable for attack. You have to make yourself ready. Here's the other thing. Chad can't put it on for you. Your parents, your spouse can't put it on for you. Your friends aren't gonna get you dressed. You have to do it for yourself. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna ask you to stand um, before we go, and whether you're here in Auditorium 1, maybe you're over in Auditorium 2, you're watching this on a screen somewhere. I, I was a kid's pastor for about nine years, so sometimes I just need something physical. So will you work with me here for just a minute? Because <laughs> there's times when to get a spiritual concept, I gotta do it in a, in a physical way. So I wanna pray through the armor of God, and as we talk about each piece so that we can focus on God helping us, and for some of you to fight your battle, this is exactly what you need to do. Will you kind of join me and kind of focusing on that physical part of the body that would be covered by that? So go ahead, give me the Superman, will you? Let's, let's do this right here for just a minute. Kind of the belt of truth. Don't you just feel Wonder Woman if it fits? Just kind of, you know. 
And Lord, we ask today that you would help us to wear the belt of truth. That at the very core of who we are, we would allow your truth to change and affect our lives. Now would you take your hands and, and cover your heart. Father, we put on the breastplate of righteousness that when temptation comes our way, we are gonna stand firm as people of character, people of integrity, people of your word. That we're not gonna let the little, little things that the enemy sends, those insidious temptations, put us in a place where our heart is vulnerable, but with the breastplate of righteousness, we guard our hearts. Now do this, kind of spread your feet out a little bit. You might have to kind of elbow the guy next to you for just a minute, but just kind of get in that place where you got a firm fitting. Okay, stand with a firm footing. Father, we, we wear the shoes of peace. That when the crisis of this life and the chaos that we face and the struggles that come, we will not allow ourselves to be knocked down or knocked out because we stand firm in who you are and what you've done for us. Do this, just kind of hold up that shield of faith. Would you do this? You might be holding it up for yourself. You actually right now might be holding it up for somebody else, but Father, we stand behind who you are in your faith that when the enemy tries to tell us that you are not good or that we don't matter or that you don't have a plan for our lives, we push that doubt out of the way and we stand behind the faith that we have in who you are. Now do this, it's gonna risk some of your beautiful hairdos, but just kind of do this for just a minute. Father, we put on the helmet of salvation that when the battle takes place in our minds, when temptation and fear and doubt and lies come our way, we run them through the filter of who Jesus is and the salvation that he came to bring us. We allow our minds to be controlled by you and by your word. All right, do this. Hold up that, that sword of the spirit. Would you do that? Father, we take your word, which is living and active, and we use it. We speak it. We let it be at, at place in our minds so that we can allow your word to give us the victory that we can only find in you. And Father, we thank you that we can come to you. Lord, in prayer, wearing this armor of God that as we move through our days, we can rest in the truth that you want to bring us victory as we put our confidence and our hope in you. Now, Lord, as we go from here, we ask that you'd go with us. Send us out with your special favor and your wonderful peace. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.